It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 539 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, June 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Of course, make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, whether you're a basketball, football, baseball, or college sports fan. We've got it all covered for you on there. And uh, we deeply appreciate if you find a show on the network that you want to subscribe to, support, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is to get your podcast is deeply, deeply appreciated. Uh, and so that's the spiel for the network. Also, We the Champs, the book I wrote with Alex Wong, is now out on shelves. Uh, Alex sent me a picture today. He was at the Eden Center Indigo with a picture next to a bunch of books. It's pretty cool. Um, apologies if you ordered a book on pre-order. Apparently the demand was like more than our publisher expected it to be, which is ultimately a very good thing. But the side effect of that is that people's shipments are being a little bit delayed because they couldn't quite keep up with the demand. And so keep an eye out. You might have got a notice saying you're going to be delayed. It won't be as delayed as it says you will be delayed. I think, I think some were saying it's going to be like August when the book ships. That's not the case. Once they start getting into the backlog, you will get your copy, hopefully within the next couple weeks at the latest. So uh, apologies there, but also very much thank you for uh, breaking Amazon and uh, being just beautiful, wonderful lunatics who uh, just want to soak up and purchase anything to do with the title run. I can totally relate. I'm doing the exact same thing. Um, so thank you very much for that. It's okay, man. Every, every... <laughs> Sorry, everyone's, go ahead. everyone's operating on parade speed, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, the voice you hear is today's guest. It's Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Oh, my bad. I, sh- I guess I should have waited for an introduction. That's okay, um, man. Who, yeah. People know you by now. You're allowed to jump in whenever you want. All right. Yeah. Well, noted going forward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just Kool-Aid uh, manning the intro? Happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, all going well. Um, still riding the high of that Masai Ujiri press is end of season presser. Um, very inspiring, very passionate, uh, very motivating. So yeah, feel like it's been an extremely productive day, and I will just you know replay that speech uh, every morning I wake up and try <laughs> to be just as productive. Just like a rolling cycle of Masai pep talk quotes um that just play one like there's, there's definitely one for every day of the week i'm sure probably one for every day of the month from that 57 minute press conference he had today which you attended at ovo athletic center uh let's get into it i mean there's not really a whole lot to talk about today we'll talk about the awards a little bit later on maybe some free agency stuff uh but still we're kind of in a holding pattern here as we wait for 
the actual day of the, the negotiation period to begin or whatever we want to call it on June 30th at 6 o'clock. Um, but Vivek, you were at the press conference today with Masai Ujiri to wrap up the season. I watched it uh, a couple hours after it took place and I was blown away because, God, that dude rules and I could listen to him talk for more than 57 minutes any day. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the Messiah press conference? Uh, biggest takeaway, I was like, oh, man, I really miss the uh, transcribing that the NBA Finals used to do for us automatically <laughs> because this is going to take a while. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, I think mo- most of the uh, speech just centered around um, Masai's, you know, vision of the Raptors being uh, a ba- a glo- global basketball brand, mm-hmm. and I think you know, winning the championship makes him feel that that vision can now slowly progress towards becoming a reality. Um, obviously, re-signing Kawhi Leonard will uh, go a long way towards continuing that mission. But I, I, I think the vision is really cool. You know, someone, someone had asked him. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, soccer brands like Manchester United and Real Madrid and their global reach and, you know, the fan base that they have, is that something that is possible with the Raptors, you know, being sort of this non-American team that, uh, you know, countries all over the globe can relate to, especially with the players on the roster. And mm-hmm. Masai uh, said absolutely yes. And, you know, he touched on... Siakam being from Cameroon and Serge Ibaka being from the Congo and, you know, Marcus Gasol being from Spain and Jeremy Lin from Taiwan. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So uh, I think that is a really cool dream. Uh, it's a really cool vision. And it's something that I do think is realistic for uh, the Raptors brand, um, especially if they are able to, you know, keep on winning at this high level. Yeah, man. The more the like the main thing I took away from the entire thing was I can't believe anyone was worried he was going to leave for the Wizards because man, this dude has big plans for the Raptors. It seems like he loves it here. He mentioned that and reiterated it a bunch of times. And I just I don't think it would be a correct evaluation of Masai Ujiri's ambition and Masai Ujiri's sort of global goals to say like winning one title is his goal with the Raptors you know I think maybe some people could have said like oh hey there's this ending with the Raps he goes on and takes on a new franchise but he really expressed like no interest at all in the idea of like picking up a new team from scratch and going from there like I think he wants to continue to build this thing into what you mentioned he he mentioned Manchester United he mentioned Liverpool as global brands and like I, I don't really care to talk about brands but like it's it's very much a thing that's on the table for the Raptors, right? Like, they do have a global reach. You know, just, I think, Canada itself being so diverse, the sort of, the tree you can build of fans just by reaching out to a country as diverse with as many ties around the world as Canada does. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think about how sort of wide your net can be, how far your reach can be. And, like, if there's someone who's able to capitalize on all of that and come through and make the Raptors into that global thing... It's Masai. Like, I, I, I'll just, anything that guy says now, I'm just like, yep, you're going to do it. I believe in you now. I mean, a lot of what today was, too, was like a reinforcement and sort of a vindication, I think, of what he said at the start of the season when he said, believe in your city, believe in yourself. Like, the, the narrative of not wanting to come here is over. And I think that is so true now, right? Like, they've, they've got the title. They yep. have rings to put on the table. 
You know, they when they go into meetings with free agents in the future, they have that pedigree. They have Kawhi Leonard as of right now. Who knows if he's going to stick around, but the pitch they've made to him is something that is it's a pitch made by a heavy hitter organization, not some small potatoes team that traded for a guy hoping to keep him around. Like I think all along they believed in what they're selling and it's remarkable sort of how quickly the perception of the team has changed in so little time and I think I think the very first line of the forward Jack Armstrong wrote for our book uh, was that he always thought Toronto was a sleeping giant and obviously that's extremely true and Masai Ujiri has kind of awakened it with the way he's built this team and the way he's sort of turned it into this just like unstoppably competent organization and I totally believe him when he says that you know this is going to be like man the passion he had talking about like the story he's going to tell his kids and the like I was brought to almost tears the way he almost was I mean he was like fighting back tears it seemed as he was talking about how the like the story he can tell his kids now about how he brought a championship championship to Toronto and sort of what is also to come as they go on to try to win more and as they go on to try to expand their global reach I mean it's it's so inspiring. That guy is amazing, and I. It's unbelievable that he's in charge of the Raptors, and I, I'm thankful for it every single day because, my God, <laughs> he defies words almost. <laughs> he just kind of leaves you speechless when you hear him talk. Sometimes I don't know if you agree, but man, it's crazy. Yeah, and you know, again, when you look at this Raptors franchise and the way they've turned things around over his tenure a lot of it has been built on continuity mm. and building the culture and having you know credible guys in the locker room and a lot of that was sort of put at risk with the moves that were made over the offseason and the trade deadline right you moved so many of those pieces that mattered and you wondered especially you know with Kawhi Leonard um sort of you know the rumors that were spreading that he didn't even want to be here um kyle lowry being unhappy over the trade um you know sir Dubaka and jonas valanciunas you know being in a timeshare at the center position that could have gone either way as well um but again i think you know it stems from the top down where as much as you know people say it's a business it's a business it's a business i think masai's level of care um his genuineness his uh complete appreciation for what players go through i think in the end that is what carries them forward and so even when they were a difficult they were in a difficult moment uh around the trade deadline he recognized that a conversation needed to be had Mm -hmm. with kyle lowry um and so he goes and has this conversation with kyle lowry and says you know and is completely honest with him and they're transparent with each other and I don't think you have something like that um, with other you know presidents and GMs where maybe you know things just go the other way and how many times do we see teams that sort of things just are bubbling on the surface and no one's really talking about it and then in the off season you hear all these stories come out right like just look at Chris Paul and James Arden right now mm-hmm. so you know, when you, when you look at these things that the Raptors, you know, how, how many of them said uh, after winning the championship, you know, all, look at all the stuff that we went through. Uh, they won't get into the details. There, Fred Van Vliet talked about 
oh, there were times where I felt like I could have played more. Norman felt like he could have played more. I'm sure, I'm sure Serge Ibaka felt like he could have played more. Mm-hmm. But, but, but they're all genuinely good guys. They're all genuinely committed to winning. And I think that is something that Masai completely identifies with. And so he's able to uh, identify those guys that need to be a part of this franchise and this organization. And so I think the, the franchise itself is in a good place uh, where you know, even when moves are made and things like that, there is enough of an identity in that regard in place to sort of just carry over and keep keep things moving. Yeah, I'll be so fascinated to see if like five, ten years from now, like after Kyle's retired and stuff, maybe Masai's moved on. Like if it ever comes out, what actually was sort of the real discontent with the team this season? Because it sounds like there was something like in that early part of the year, that middle part of the year as they were kind of listing before the trade deadline, it does sound like there was a little bit of uneasiness going on. And maybe it wasn't wasn't anything more than just Kyle still being upset about the trade or whatever, but, um, like, there definitely well, sounds well, I, like there's something. I, I think some of it may have also stemmed from, you know, those Mike Conley rumors that came up, right? Yeah, yeah, which was weird, yeah. man. It's so weird. So. Yeah. Yeah, I... Know, uh, Sorry, go ahead. He said he'll keep it. No, he he said that he'd like to keep that conversation to himself. I'm sure it'll stay that way for, um, as you said, at least till Lowry's retired or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, he was he made it pretty clear that he thinks Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time, and so you know when you can have a relationship like that where you can go through the ups and the downs together i think i think it makes you more appreciative uh of you know having a moment where you win the championship and you really understand all the things that you've been through together uh to get to this point and i I think kyle lowry at the end of the day understands that um you know demar Derozan uh had to be a sacrificial lamb Mm -hmm. to get a top three player in the league and there's always a price to play paid in acquiring that caliber of talent and it paid off in the best way it possibly could we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed yeah you don't want a title without being a little bit ruthless and i think that is sort of the way Masai has operated like he's not afraid to make the moves that need to be made in order to improve the team or you know say goodbye to a, an exit exiting free agent or something like that uh even though it might be unpopular at the time and i think the way and if we're being really honest about it it wasn't that ruthless you know what i mean yeah like, no it was i yeah i agree it was that, yeah that team plenty of chances agreed I, I agree they probably deserved for sure it was i think because of sort of the the baggage that like the fan base has with star players and stuff maybe it hurt a little right. bit more because of demar's status as the loyal guy who loved toronto absolutely so maybe that's sort of where the like the ruthlessness comes in i guess it's more of a like a not a front to really the team or anything like that maybe just like a bit of a slap in the face of the fans not even a slap in the face that's not the right word for it but like 
a bit uh, something that was always going to face some sort of fan backlash and he didn't care like he's like no it's Kawhi Leonard of course we're going to do this and obviously more teams should have thought like that I wonder if like the legacy of Masai is that in the future teams are going to show more stones when it comes to this and like not Danny Ainge their way into cataclysmic downfalls of their franchises like it's kind of funny how you have those two sort of you know, dichotomies kind of playing out right now where the Raptors were bold and went for it. And yes, they were at sort of a, a point in their trajectory where it made a lot more sense than maybe it did for the Celtics at the time. But like, maybe this will inspire teams going forward to be a little bit more ballsy when it comes to making moves and not be so afraid to get it wrong. Because when you get it right, like, man, it can be remarkable. Or maybe this is like the, the Kawhi thing is such a unique situation that it'll never be replicated anyway. And, and it's, it's stupid to use it as a comparison point. Um, but like, I, I would hope that teams look at what Masai did and say, Hey, like, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we going out and making the sort of perhaps sort of unpopular or a little bit maybe rushed decision to go get a guy. Like, I think this is kind of playing out with Denver right now. Denver apparently refused to put in Jamal Murray to get Anthony Davis I wonder if they'll regret regret that a couple years from now. Like maybe that's something that they will look back on and say, "Man, we could have had Jamal Murray play with Nikola Jokic." Sorry, Anthony Davis played with Nikola Jokic for an entire season in a diminished Western Conference. Like maybe that would have won us a title. I, I don't know. That, that's it's something interesting that I'm curious to see how sort of because every team that wins kind of ends up having copycats who try to go and do the same thing. And I wonder if that's going to manifest itself in more ballsy GMs. That'll be. Uh, Interesting, but none of them will be Masai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think you're onto something there. I think there will be, you know, GMs or just franchises in general ownership that will look over and say, "Oh, you know, that this is something that could be worth it, even if it is a one-year rental." Um, so, and you know, I think even uh, even though uh, Oklahoma City have struggled in the playoffs. Just having that level, uh, that caliber of talent on their roster uh, in Paul George, I think that that's another lesson to take from mm-hmm. um, that these one-year rentals can work out in your favor. Um, and I think the other big thing is just player power in general, right? And, and, and I think for me, a big thing that will sort of define this league going forward, along with obviously Masai's moves, is what, is what happened with Philly and New York this season mm-hmm. um, and you know I look at Kristaps Porzingis uh, on his rookie contract saying he wants out and I mean I, I think that's a level of impatience that we haven't see, seen before mm-hmm. um, in terms of being unhappy with a losing situation and so maybe teams look at that and say oh wow we've really got to make a strong case uh, to young players early on um, because they're recognizing their uh, you know their branding power and all that uh, and you look at Philly on the other side as well with, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and them sort of pushing the needle and getting Jimmy Butler and trying to uh, get things done this season and obviously they fell a bounce, uh, bounce shot away um, from at least going into an overtime to give them another chance but uh, you know I, I think those two things as well it, it reflect uh, the player power and the urgency that teams need to have now is as players understand uh, that they don't really have years to waste on their career, even if even if they're on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. Staying good is good, uh, as it turns out. I would much rather be one of the teams that can take advantage of a bad situation than 
be a team that has a guy. You have the talented guy, but you're in a precarious spot, unable to hold on to them. And the Raptors, maybe they don't put themselves in the position to draft like a transcendent star, but I think under Masai, I don't really see them going into the tank because I think they've kind of proven like you don't have to necessarily do that. Like towing the line between okay and good or good and great for a long time can kind of put you in the spot eventually to strike when the iron's hot and maybe that's the way to go about things going forward maybe that's the way teams copycat things it's just there's less tanking i don't know Masai might have solved tanking baby (laughs) congrats to him the 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 fourth best executive in the league apparently uh i guess we can get into this now the awards came down last night did you watch the award show uh, yes, I did on, uh, PVR did so I could skip through whatever I needed to and, uh, yeah. I, I did not uh, watch it. I found it to be just as useful to wait till Twitter told me who won. Uh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I guess the main things, Pascal Siakam goes home most improved. Giannis gets, uh, I mean, the Bucks won a whole bunch of stuff. Giannis won MVP. Mike Budenholzer gets coach of the year, which is funny after what happened in the conference finals. And uh, John Horst gets the executive of the year of the year for the Bucks, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's start with the the stuff people are mad about, which is Masai not winning executive of the year. He finishes fourth in voting behind Tim Connolly and Lawrence Frank, which is which is so so funny. Um, but I don't know. Do you ultimately care? I just this award is so silly to me. It's an award that. I think should be handed out like once a decade or once every five years if you really want to have it represent or, or be able to sort of capture the impact of an exe- of an executive over the course of time. Like one year does not an executive's resume make. And yeah, you could, I guess, isolate individual moves. But even then, individual moves, you're not sure what they're going to mean for, 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 the, for the future, right, in one year. It, it's just, I don't know. It, it's a dumb award. I it's do. very silly. And people should not be mad about Masai not winning it because guess what? He's got the Larry OB, which is far better than some dumb plaque. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't care that much, and I don't. Uh, I care even less because these awards shows are now, you know, after the playoffs and all after the fact. And uh, the Raptors have Larry OB, as you said. Kawhi Leonard has the Finals MVP. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure if you ask Nick Nurse if he had to choose between the Coach of the Year award and the Larry OB. Uh, I know which one he'd choose. Um, <laughs> it might be a bit more of a debate if you asked him to choose between the Larry O.B. and a guitar, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I think you know, especially um, covering the rappers the last few years, you know, Dwayne Casey, Coach of the Year. How much has that really meant? Fred VanVleet finishing third in a six man a year race uh, after they get swept how much does that really mean you know so yeah um i think uh, yeah i i I think uh especially having won the championship now it's all whatever it's all fun and games and you know nba twitter is going to be petty so it's nice to see some of the jokes uh (laughs) but besides that you know I, i don't i don't think anyone really cares yeah i mean raptors fans were pretty indignant last night but this is a plea from the mayor of its fine land. Uh, like, if anything's ever been fine, it's not winning an award, an individual award for the Raptors after winning the title. Like, this is a thing that you care about 
when you're not relevant, when you're looking for little sort of strands of relevance to hang on to, the Raptors just won the title. This doesn't matter. Getting mad about these like petty injustices is silly, and uh, I would hope people are not going to hang on to it for too long because the Raptors won the title. The Bucks. Congratulations to them on all of their uh, awards and their conference finals standing. Like, it's it's very silly to me. Uh, Pascal Siakam. You know what they should do. Sorry, go ahead. You know what they should do. Yeah. Is uh, just the way they extend these games. Um, they should extend the award show by all of a sudden, right before the award gets handed out, going to a review system <laughs> where they look at the playoff performances. That would be really fun. They should also go to like a, a table where like Howard Beck and uh, some other media guy are like going through the, the, the voting numbers and they slowly reveal them from the bottom up um, just to tease yeah, it all out. I mean, because they wait two months know, to do the damn deal. thing anyway. Uh, yep. Yeah. Man, two months of waiting. Are you are you among the people who's very upset about like the timing of the uh, the timing of the of the awards or, or are you kind of a different? I just, like the awards to me. I don't care either way all that much really. Like I, I I'd be cool if the team with the MVP could honor their MVP on a, during a home playoff game. That'd be cool. Other than that, people got really upset about like the awards being late. But ultimately, I don't particularly care about them all that much. So maybe I'm the wrong person to talk to about this. But like I, I just I don't know. It, they should do it earlier. I'm not upset that they don't really. It's fine. I don't know. Do you have strong opinions on this? I mean, I don't have a strong opinion. I, my preference would be that it's done, you know, right at the end of the regular season. Yeah. Um, and, again, you know, I don't think you need to play 82 games. <laughs> so maybe if you didn't play 82 games, you would have more time to do this kind of stuff before the playoffs began. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... I, I just feel like the regular season, you know, once it once it ends, you just give out the awards that you know closes the cha- chapter on that book, and then you move on uh, to the playoffs. And yeah, it, it, I, I do find it a bit weird that all this time passes by, you know. And don't get me wrong, the speeches were great, Siakam's speech, Giannis's speech, um, really touching, but. You know, I, I do think there is something that gets taken away when, you know, they well, at least in Giannis's case, you know, he's he's missed out on the ultimate prize, mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, his, his it's almost like you know when Dirk got his MVP after getting knocked out by the uh, by the Warriors, right, mm-hmm. uh, in the first, and here Giannis is, is claiming the MVP when he quite clearly got owned by Kawhi, so yeah. The same thing happened in the NHL because uh, they do their awards late too. And like Nikita Kucherov won the MVP from the Lightning, and the Lightning got swept in the first round after winning 62 regular season games and setting a record, uh, which is hilarious. And honestly, like the biggest reason why the NH- the NBA should be doing their awards before the postseason is because the NHL does it the other way, and you should never, ever, ever, ever copy something the NHL does because they screw everything up. Uh, but that's all on that. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Pascal Siakam on Most Improved, that was cool. Uh, I didn't get to see the speech because, again, I didn't watch the thing. Um, but I'm sure it was very touching. He's a well-spoken dude, and I like listening to him talk, and uh, very happy for him. My question for you, Vivek, uh, this was a mailbag question, actually, uh, for, for yesterday's podcast, and I'll throw it to you. Um, what kind of leap do you see for a Siakam next season? Like, do you think it's, like, another sort of, I don't want to say, like, star turn, because he already kind of turned into a star this year, but do you see it kind of being a similar sort of year two to year three level leap where there's that much improvement and he becomes like an all-NBA type guy or do you see something a little bit more modest where he kind of stays close to what he is now which is probably like a top 25 guy um, maybe he sort of lingers around there or do you see him inching up closer towards like the top 10-15 I feel like it's re- this is going to sound like a cop-up but I feel like it's really contingent on whether or not Kawhi is back right? Um, because you know I, I think if he returns then you're still going to see uh, incremental improvements. Um, I think I think he'll look back and feel disappointed that his three-point shot didn't really carry over to the postseason. Mm-hmm. And so I think he'll continue to work on that. Um, maybe a bit more of that mid-range game that uh, teams were giving him. Um, and you know maybe maybe even looking into the the film of you know how Milwaukee and uh, Philly threw bigs at him. Uh, and and how how he could attack that better. So I think you know we'll, we'll see adjustments in those areas of his game. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure what that translates to in terms of numbers. Uh, sure, he can be a 20 point uh, game, uh, 20 point a game scorer uh, next season. I think that's definitely on the cards. But in terms of you know taking the leap that he took from last season to this season, I don't think you see that unless uh, Kawhi's out of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me with him is, like, how much can his efficiency translate? I think he was, like, a 63 true, true shooting this season, which is crazy. And on, like, a pretty high yeah. volume, really. And I wonder, I mean, I feel like if he remains the second option and Kawhi sticks around, like, that seems like it's pretty easily replicable. Maybe even a slight improvement upon it if his three-point shooting kind of come around because, like, he's still going to be great around the basket, I would assume. Um, but if he does get put into the position where he's the number one guy, what does his efficiency look like? Because, you know, yes, Kyle's there to sort of create a lot, and you'll hopefully have Marcus Gasol opt in, and that's another sort of guy who can create offense and make plays for Pascal to sort of benefit from. But I do wonder if he's got the ball in his hands more often. First of all, like, what's his turnover numbers look like? Because, like, you know, he could be a little bit wobbly with that handle sometimes and that's a big thing i think he has to improve over the summer is his handle and like what does what happens to his shot profile right like because so much of it now is like push shots from like six feet out that are money or like weird off glass shots from weird angles that somehow go in but he seems to have those down or like corner threes 
how does it change if he's the number one option and you're adding in a couple above the break above the break threes every single night or some pull up stuff in the mid range just because sometimes teams are going to funnel that to you um, if you're a main option like how does that all work in and we've seen flashes the times where he does pull up in can jumpers it's just absolutely salivating to see it but I wonder how far sort of the limits of his singular sort of self-created offense are because so much of it is obviously just a byproduct of his energy and his ability to sort of just beat guys down the floor um and i I, i'm curious like i don't know what to expect if pascal were the number one option i feel like it might be a little bit disappointing consider be considering how effective he was all season long and how efficient he was but like I don't think like dipping down to like 57 or 58 true shooting is bad per se, but I think it might be perceived as a disappointment just because of how good he was this year. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think you make a really good, great point about his finishing at the rim because this season he finished uh, with among the highest uh, percentages of finishing at the rim, but he also had among the highest contest rates in terms of opponents contesting his shot at the rim. And, you know, I feel like there were so many times where you're like, oh, my God, how is he finishing these with so much ease, right? And so is that something that, that translates over from this past 2018-19 season to the next season? So I, th- I think that's going to be really interesting to watch out for. And obviously, again, the, you bring up a great question with, you know, will, will the potentially increased usage lead to uh, sustained efficiency as well? That's a completely valid point. Um you know, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to really measure. I think over the course of the season, it might not necessarily show in the numbers just because I feel like there's enough bad teams for him to take advantage of. Yeah. But um, it'll be really interesting to see when he goes up against, you know, elite, other elite teams or, you know, teams with tremendous length, athleticism, or even capable bigs that, that, that teams might throw on him uh, based on what they saw in the playoffs. Uh and, and see what he does specifically in those situations and see if, you know, those numbers uh, hover around what they what he did this past season. Yep, should be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully he's not the one, the go-to option because Kawhi is on the team. That'd be lovely. Uh, we, we, won't, we don't really have to talk about free agency right now because we don't know anything. I think Mark Stein went on Bill Simmons' podcast today. I didn't listen, but apparently he said, nobody knows anything right now, and I'm glad someone said that because that feels like the prevailing thing when it comes to Kawhi in particular, and I don't really think there's much need to speculate. It sounds like he's going to have a meeting with the Clippers, but it's Frank Isola. Who knows if that how valid that is or where that's even coming from. Um, Masai said it sounds like they're going to meet, and it seems like they've got constant lines of communication going today. Uh, between Masai, Uncle Dennis, Kawhi, his representation, whatever it is. So that's encouraging, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I feel pretty good. What's your, like, Kawhi meter at right now in terms of confidence? It's pretty high. Yeah. 80, 90%. Yeah. Like, I feel I feel pretty, pretty confident. I, I, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think it's more about um, how long as opposed to if he's coming back. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. That, that's honestly a very fascinating question that uh, we can save for another time because that might lead <laughs> us down a whole other wormhole. And we got days of content to fill, and I don't want to burn yes. it all on one podcast. So, uh, Vivek, thank you so much for joining me on today's show, man. This was great. Uh, anything that you would like to plug right now? 
Um, my usual stuff on Yahoo Sports Canada. I did I did, I did a podcast today uh, with Will, the Raptors Over Everything podcast. So I gotta bleep check that, that out. out. Sorry, well. I gotta bleep that out. But carry on. <laughs> um, so you can listen to that one as well. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, besides that, you you can read all my work at Yahoo Sports Canada, and I should have a piece up tomorrow on. Kyle Lowry being the greatest Raptor of all time because Masai said so, and and making a case for why he should be a Raptor for the remainder of his career. Oh man, that's that's just just me. That, that's that's for me. That's me bait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm quoted many times saying, "Give him five years, twenty-five. Five years, thirty. After he's done uh, his contract at the end of the year, and I'm here, have him be Andre Miller." Uh, I want that very, very badly. Uh, the the cap ramifications be damned. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I would rather Kyle Lowry hang around and spend the last five year five years of his career with the Raptors than the Raptors sign Giannis. I think that's actually a thing I believe. So um, I will read that. Wow. <laughs> I will. Re- they already have a title. What more can Giannis bring that the Kawhi already didn't? More uh, <laughs> title. I guess it feels like you get bored of them at some point. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, maybe no I shouldn't shot. say that. I shouldn't say that. Um, but that's how badly I want Kawhi to be around a long time. That's just uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, always read Vivek's work. It's fantastic. It's so so good. And your crew at Yahoo is so insanely talented. It's not even fair. Uh, are you at the Hoop Talks tomorrow? I am. Cool. Uh, I didn't get, get invited to talk on it, but I'm going to come hang out anyway, so I'll see you there, and I'll see all the rest of the folks there, and you can always come say hi. Uh, if you are around and you're looking for people to talk to who are not backstage getting pampered, I'll just be hanging out drinking beers by the bar, waiting for my friends to be done talking so I can have someone to hang out with. So feel free to come say hi if you're at Hoop Talks tomorrow at the Rivoli, and uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. And of course, please make sure you're buying We the Champs. You can get it in Indigo on Amazon right now. Again, a bit of a backlog right now in terms of delivery, so maybe your best option is to just go get it a hard copy in person. It's available at Costco as well. Apparently, they're selling like hotcakes at Costco, which is hilarious. Um, so please head on over to your local book establishment and pick up a copy of We the Champs by myself. And Alex Wong, we would deeply, deeply appreciate it. And that is going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.